Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 234th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a whip route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. These routes are getting more complex. I guess you have confidence that I can hit a double move. Uh, I I do have confidence in you, coach. I mean, you are the offensive coordinator, you know, after all. Well, uh, another man I know can hit a double route. Uh, it's the third amigo in the second city. A man whose dog has decided to forego their dog bed and just sleep on him instead. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, I was doing, uh, Chris had work last night, so I, I was doing some uh, dog duty. and uh, <laughs> Duty. She, you said duty. She just fell asleep on my leg, which um, she, you know, she's cool with cuddling, but like doesn't really ever sleep. In cuddling, kind of like how humans will like spoon for like 20 minutes and then we all roll 20 minutes. That's a long spoon, my friend. (laughs) Well, sometimes I need my back massage. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so she fell asleep on my lap, which was very rare. But like just I when she finally adjusts, I notice my knee is just soaked in slobber. Wonderful. Wonderful. Just yeah. the way you like it. There we go. All right. Well, hound dogs, hound dogs are a bizarre bunch. Yes. You ain't She's so derpy. Hound dog <laughs> crying all the time. <laughs> she's so derpy. I'm also really glad that she's a she. Well, uh the way hound dogs sleep sometimes is like on their back with like legs spread. <laughs> if it was a male dog, we'd We'd have a face full of uh, you'd have a face full of dog penis. Well, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, no. But when we see pictures of like other hounds, (laughs) we're like, well, yeah, we're we're glad she's uh, she's a she. We're glad he's a she. Well, um, you know, guys, uh, no matter if you're he or she, you know what you probably like. Getting in on the action at betonline.ag. Football season, it's in full swing. You guys may not be at the games, but you can still be in on the action. Uh, guys, the Pac-10 opened up last week, or Pac-12. I'm still saying Pac-10. It's been, what, 60 years probably at least. I still say Pac-10. I still call it the PCC. Pacific Coast Conference? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still call it the Big 8. So, I mean, <laughs> who am I kidding? Um you know, we, we last on on the last show we talked about getting in on some of that Masters action. By the time you hear this, uh, they've already teed off on the first day, uh, maybe even on day two. This is probably going to release here on Friday. So, um, no matter who your team is, from spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, and that doesn't even matter what what your sport is. Quite frankly, uh, even though the election's over, there are no more politics props. Except there are, if you're interested in the Georgia Senate candidate, Georgia Senate runoffs there on January 5th. Um, head on over to betonline.ag. They give you more options than anywhere else online to wager and place a bet. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Gents, it's week 11 out of like a 78-week season is what it feels like going on uh, this year. Uh, So let's hop right into the action for this coming weekend. We will start with the resumption of the University of Wisconsin badges. They're heading over to, uh, to Ann Arbor to take on a Michigan team that is struggling after an opening week win at Minnesota. They have lost back-to-back games to little brother, Michigan State, and then a, uh, a spanking on the ha- from the hands of the Indiana Hoosiers. Josh, uh, while Michigan's been beat up by other opponents, 
Wisconsin's been beat up by COVID. All signs, though, right now point to Graham Mertz being able to be the starter for the Badgers. Do you think that with this hiatus, they will be able to go on the road to the big house uh, without a big amount of fans and pick up where they left off after that beatdown of Illinois? Uh, yes, with a really big asterisk. So, um, you know, the, the COVID recovery has been very different for every player. Um, we've seen an NFL player take the rest of the season off. We've seen Cam Newton uh, obviously be kind of a shell of his former self for a few weeks. Uh, looked a little bit better last night. Um, so we don't fully know what Wisconsin will be like, but let's assume that the 21 days has been more than enough to obviously test negative, but more importantly, get back to some semblance of full health. If they're in full semblance of full health, the Wisconsin offense we saw 21 days ago was incredible like a historic <laughs> a historic performance by Graham Mertz uh they absolutely obliterated Illinois defense and Michigan's biggest issue so far this year has been a terrible defense and we talked about the Indiana game quite a bit in our previous show just to recap uh they got really no pressure on the quarterback which is the whole point of Don Brown's defense and their back end isn't good enough anymore, like it has been in the past, to leave those players on an island. And they gave up plenty of passing yards, including some fade routes in the end zone, and it was just a nightmare. I don't see how Michigan's changing that. They have a schematic issue with their coaching, and Harbaugh has been extremely loyal. That's a good quality sometimes to have. In the case of several years now of Don Brown's defense not getting it done, it's rather foolhardy. If he's loyal enough to keep him on his staff, you know he's also loyal enough not to change anything about the scheme. So if Wisconsin is close to health, and let's say if they're 85% or more healthy, I think Wisconsin just blows Michigan out of the water. To be totally frank. Ooh, wow, that's uh, that's pretty strong, uh, Coach. How do you feel about this one? Well, I mean, I'm going to use that c word, um, culture. I think Michigan has a culture problem. Um, I think the, you know, the way I think Harbaugh is running his team. I, I think he's trying to treat his team like they're NFL players. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but you treat NFL players differently than you treat college players. And no. I know, right? It's hard to believe. Uh, but, you know, and, and even like with the generation of kids that are coming in, uh, not really kids anymore, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, you know, they're just different. Like the way you the way you talk to them, the way you interact, the way you treat your players is different than it was um, even five years ago. You know, yelling and screaming and going crazy and being prickly it, doesn't necessarily work anymore. I mean, it works in t at times to get a point across, like a well-timed F-bomb. But, you know, if, if that's who you are, kids are going to tune you out. Um, but if you bring logic, if you bring reasoning, if you if you tell them why uh, we're doing a certain thing this way, if you, if you get them to buy in um, and, and you give them that juice so that they can use it, then I think you have a better chance at, at at gaining their respect. And once they get your respect, they'll run through a wall for you. And then you have that then you have that leeway to yell at them and and, and do you know say whatever you need to say as long as it's not excessive. But I mean I, I think this Michigan team is really close to quitting on Harbaugh. And you know we don't know what kind of coach uh, Josh Gaddis is because I think they have a culture problem. Don Brown his schemes although they were great they haven't been updated. And so they're not buying in. The defense is not buying in anymore because this stuff doesn't work anymore. Teams have figured that out. It's time for him to move forward. And if they want to have any success, not you know, not to mention next week or this coming week against Wisconsin, but just down the road in the future, if they want to have success, if Don Brown wants to be a successful coordinator, he's got to update his system. He's got to follow the trends. You know, things that are beating his system now 
are the simple concepts have caught up to the defense's adjustments. I mean, offense and defense is this constant chess match. Like, you know, the 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 new thing is three deep safeties, right? Um, and so the offense will offenses will start to catch up to that, and then there'll be another thing. I don't know what that'll be. It'll, it, it it might be uh, put eleven across at ten yards and say, "Come and get us." I I don't know. It might be something crazy like that. Who knows? Um, but there's going to be some sort of adjustment, and you're going to have a segment of coaches that don't adjust. They get left behind. Those are going to be the ones in the FFCA, the Fire Football Coaches Association, <laughs> and uh, you're going to have the ones that Fire regress. Football Coaches. That 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 that's a good one. That 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 that's a deep cut for all you uh, John Gruden fans out there. Exactly. Um, but uh, then you're going to have the ones that progress, and and they're going to be winning all the championships. But um, so I say all of that to say that I think Michigan is aboard, not only aboard the struggle bus. But it's heading towards, uh, it's heading off the cliff, and uh, they're not liking where that's going to go. Uh, they they get a quarterback who come is coming off a uh, five touchdown uh, performance like three months ago, um, and um, he's extremely hungry. They haven't played in a while. Um, judging by my playoff game almost a week ago at this point, um, we know what a team that's hungry that hasn't played in a while can do. They're ready to hit somebody else. Um, so I think they're going to come out fired up. Uh, there's already a reason to be fired up because it's Michigan um, and the implications that come at winning with winning that game. So, you know, Wisconsin is going to come out on fire. You know, you know, they're going to be good. So can Michigan withstand it? I don't think they can, but then again, it's 2020. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if Michigan came out and curb stomped Wisconsin, that wouldn't surprise me either because 2020, but I'm going to go with the former on this one and and say that Wisconsin's going to win big. You like Wisconsin winning big. I like Wisconsin looking pretty rusty in the first half and pulling away in the second. Uh, You know, the only thing for Wisconsin, I think that they really need to worry about is the fact that their running game did not look great against Illinois. Now, Graham Mertz was able to cover up for that a lot in that first game. But if I'm a Badger fan, a combination of rust and the fact that this offensive line just didn't really look uh, in sync with each other in that first game is the only reason that I would have for pause. And for Michigan, this is a kitchen sink game. And I think that they're going to throw everything that they have at them. And, you know, we'll see what happens. The thing I'm not worried about, though, Wisconsin's defense. Jim Leonard's still there. They still have one heck of a secondary and a very experienced defensive line. And some young linebackers that can really get after the quarterback uh, come from the outside. Nick Herbig, the true freshman is an animal. Um, The true freshman from Hawaii actually uh, traded in his uh, traded in his lay for, uh, uh, for some, uh, for some Wisconsin state cheese. And uh, I think that was a good, I think that was a good trade for him. And uh, you know, they are just looking really strong there on the edge. Let's head over then to the ACC for our next matchup. Uh, probably the quietest, quietest team in the top 10 this year, uh, I would say, Josh, Miami. Uh, their only loss this season was at, uh, their only loss this season was at Clemson. And besides that, they've just been quietly rolling along. They take on a Virginia Tech team that is has to come off of a loss against Liberty in their own home stadium against a team from their own home state. Josh, do you see Virginia Tech being able to bounce back and beat Miami in this one, or is it just more downhill for uh, Fuente and the rest of the squad? Yeah, that's that's the tough question. Um, you know, I was a tad surprised that Tech was favored in this game. Yes, same. Uh, but then, you know, you look back at Miami and you sort of see – they haven't really put together a complete game other than the Florida State game, but Florida State's awful. Um, they had a slow start against UAB before pulling away. Defense struggled at times against Louisville in a game that they won by two scores but gave up 34 points. Blew out Florida State, got blown out by Clemson. Uh, Pitt was kind of a back-and-forth game a little bit that they, again, pulled away. 
to win 31-19. The Virginia game was tight, 19-14 victory, and then the NC State game was a shootout that, quite frankly, NC State kind of choked away late. Um, and Miami won 44-41, excuse me, 44-41. So I think Miami's a little quiet for a reason. They haven't put together a complete game. What I do know, though, is Miami has the single best player on the field in this game, and that's quarterback De'Ara King. And more often than not, uh, it does feel like the Miami defense has put in more good performances than bad performances. So if the Kane defense plays well and Derek King lives up to his extremely impressive resume, I think Miami should be able to win. But, um, you know, it, it does make me nervous to see some of those results. And they really could have and maybe even should have lost to the pack a week ago. So uh, you mentioned Michigan having a kitchen sink game. Hokies lose this one. They're four and four with Clemson still looming on the schedule. Rivalry game still looming on the schedule. Uh, This feels like a kitchen sink game. You can't have back-to-back losses with one of those losses being Liberty. So Fuente is going to be pulling out all the stops and this one feels really exciting. I think I'm going to watch vast stretches of this game. I'm going to watch as much as Virginia Tech's ugly-ass uniforms will allow me to watch. Ah. Coach, how about you? I mean, I, I think Virginia Tech can pull out all the stops. I think Miami's going to ignore all the stops. Uh, De'Aaron <laughs> King, is, he, he's, a, he's a real deal, man. Uh, Miami, I guess they figured out what it's like um, to have a real quarterback for the first time in quite some time. Um, and they're enjoying it. So, I mean, he's making plays left and right. Uh, Mike Harley has got almost 500 on, on the season with four touchdowns uh, through seven games. I mean, Miami's just looking just all around good. Manny Diaz has got that team rolling right now. Uh, again, quietly sitting at 6-1, and one, which is, I think, where they want to be, quietly in the top 10 at 6-1. and one. Um, I think since the, uh, since the Clemson game, that brought him back down to earth a little bit. And you haven't heard much about Miami, but, I mean, look at their last five. Uh, they won in a shootout with NC State 44-41 in a game that is always tough up in Raleigh. Uh, the Wolfpack, I don't care how bad they are, um, if you're a top-10 team and you're coming into their house, they're going to give you hell. Uh, they had a 1914 clash against UVA where uh, UVA has some, you know, played some pretty good defensive football, but they, they grinded out a win. Uh, they essentially blew out Pitt 31-19 in a game that uh, favored Pitt a lot of a lot of ways. Um, but Miami said, "Screw you, Pitt." Um, and then, of course, that thrashing at the hands of Clemson, and then the thrashing um, of Florida State uh, prior to that. So that's kind of how their season has played out. So they've won just about every way you can win. They've won in a shootout. They've won in a grind. Uh, they've blown out a, a pretty good what was supposed to be considered a, a pretty good defensive team. Uh, with with solid quarterback play, they've gotten blown out. And they've blown out teams that they should have blown out, like the lowly criminals. So um, they're averaging four forty three uh, total yards. They're averaging giving up three ninety three. They need to shore up some things defensively if they want to have a chance. Virginia Tech can move the ball. Um, it's just a matter of whether they can finish drives consistently, which kind of plagued them against Liberty. Felt like they were always moving the ball and, and uh, getting down in scoring range, but they were just stalling out and having to punt or kick a field goal or, or you know, just being right there on the verge of, of doing something uh, explosive there on that side of the ball. Justin Fuente's got to get out of his own way. Uh, defensively, um, they got to figure out – I think they got to let the defensive coordinator know that he, he needs to make a game plan um, because uh, I think Miami's going to pass, run, throw – uh, kick all over them, and it's it's going to be ugly uh, if they let it. it. You know, if they come out with the same discombobulation, confusion, and things like that as they did against Liberty. But the defense has just got to tackle in space, communicate, and and shore up their coverage on the back end. And and, and you know they'll they'll be fine. They'll be in this game for a while. But I think Miami's talent's just going to overwhelm the Hokies. I, I think this is the beginning of the end for Justin Fuente. I think you know all the shine has completely worn off of him since he left Memphis. It's going to get it's going to go from bad to worse for the Hokies, I think. I'm afraid. And uh we'll be talking about who uh who the Hokies are going to hire uh next year. So, 
<laughs> there you go. All right. Well, let's stick in the ACC and head over to the hottest team in the conference, the now number two Notre Dame Fighting Irish, fresh off of their win over Clemson in South Bend. They're heading over to Chestnut Hill, Josh, to take on Boston College in the battle for the jeweled shillelagh. Uh, any chance for a letdown here against uh, Phil Dracovic and the rest of the Eagles? Well, I mean, there's always a possibility after a uh, coach-defining win, obviously, for Notre Dame. It's not a program-defining win. They have multiple national titles. But for Brian Kelly, easily his biggest win in his career at Notre Dame, first win over a top-five team. Uh, usually when you have a letdown, it's after a huge victory um, or it's before a uh, major-ranked team. Well... They're coming off the huge victory, so let's see the opposite way. Did they have a letdown going into the Clemson game? And the answer is quite clear. No. They blew out Georgia Tech 31-13. So I think the team's really laser-focused. Brian Kelly is running at peak efficiency with this team. Uh, his body language, his demeanor this year has been vastly improved. No uh, strawberry face against Clemson, even when things got tight and stressed. He's confident that his team's going to pull it out. So does Boston College have a chance? Well, they've got a really special quarterback, and he's a young kid, uh, Phil Jerkovic. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I think when his career's all said and done, he could be the best Boston College quarterback since Doug Flutie, which means he would be passing Matty Ice's numbers. Uh, I still think that's possible. Um, last week he had one of his worst games of the year and he was still 20 of 29 for 208 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Uh, he's going to have to be way better than that. Obviously BC beating Syracuse, uh, they didn't need him to be special, but if Boston college is going to hang in this game, they need him to be special. And, uh, he has that in him, um, against Clemson, they lost, by just six points in that Clemson game. He acquitted himself extremely well for a young kid making a start against a world-class talent defense. He, you know, 12 of 24, 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, he's playing mistake-free football. He has just two interceptions on the year. So I think there's a chance. The, the problem is um, Notre Dame is firing on all cylinders. Notre Dame looks like an extremely dangerous team, and Notre Dame's really experienced, too. They have a plethora of players who have been around the block. They're less likely to fall prey to these emotional swings that happen after a big win, and it starts first and foremost with Ian Book, who's playing uh, some of his best football of his career and coming off a career-defining victory and and i just think with his level-headedness uh the irish will survive what can be a pesky road trip up to chestnut hill coach are you are, are you with josh on this one yeah i am i mean uh, you know I, i'm fully aware that bc can be very pesky they did so against clemson um in that same time slot of 230 um it is a home game for boston college um this has always been kind of a, a unique rivalry with these two teams. So um, it's not like it's just some random, you know, random game. Uh, Boston College fans, you know, they, they have a special place in their heart um, of hatred for uh, for Notre Dame. Uh, this game's always important no matter how bad. The, both teams could be over right now, and this game would still be just as important for uh, for BC as it is for Notre Dame. But that being said, on the flip side of that coin, it, it is a rivalry. So Notre Dame is going to take this just as seriously as BC is. And as well as they're playing right now with Ian Book, uh, not only throwing the ball, but also running on the ground. Kyron Williams uh, is is approaching 1,000 yards. Uh, he can have a big day uh, for the Irish as well. I think as long as they take care of the football, uh, they, don't get, they play a fairly clean game. I, I think they'll win this one big i think they'll win this one convincingly and i think you'll start to see um kyron williams and ian book being talked about more and more and more in the national media if they aren't already 
Um, so uh, I like this. Uh, I like the Irish. I think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna suffer a hangover. Um, if it was any other team but Boston College, maybe if they were playing Virginia Tech, I would say, okay, this could be one of those like weird trap games where Notre Dame just plays like complete crap um, for three quarters and ekes out a win. Uh, but that's not the case with Boston College because they they've been rivals for quite some time. All right. Well, uh, teams that have not been rivals for quite some time now uh, are Ohio State and Maryland, because let's face it, Maryland's been in the Big Ten for a minute and a half. Uh, also, a minute and a half is about how long it takes for Maryland to score on seemingly every single drive this season, because they are absolutely on fire behind uh, the man we can no longer call little brother, Talia Tagovailoa. Uh, him, uh plus the addition of Jake Funk, who cannot fake the funk uh, on a nasty run this year. Uh, Obviously, you know, Ohio State is going to be very heavily favored in this game, Josh. But, you know, uh, can Maryland put a scare in them in the same way that they have been able to, you know, coming off of beating Penn State last week by 16, um, a team that, you know, only lost to Ohio State by 13. I mean, you know, transitive property means that Maryland should be a three-point favorite in this one. Instead, uh, Ohio State is a (laughs) 25.5-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's give Maryland some credit. Uh, They blew out Penn State, uh, and they had a furious comeback against Minnesota. Um, But this is still a major work in progress. This is still a... Uh, program trying to keep the momentum going forward. They're trying to really rebuild from being totally obliterated. And it wasn't that long ago that they lost to Northwestern 43-3. to um, Also, if the season ended right now, Mike Loxley, it'd be his first season in his entire coaching career to be over 500 in conference play. He's got two wins this year. He's got an eight and forty-one record as a coach, so um, he's got. Let's do a little division. What is that? Two out of eight. It's uh, uh, about a fourth of his victories, right there, this season. So uh, he's a coach with no track record, other than dismal. Hmm. Uh, Maryland is a extremely young team still, and the Penn State game was awesome. But let's not read too much into it. I think if anything tells us that there's major issues with Penn State. Um, The Buckeyes started a little slowly against Nebraska, then blew them out. The Penn State game was, uh, even though it was early in the season, I really think Penn State pulled out a lot of stops in that one to keep it close. Uh, Rutgers scored a few uh, garbage time points to make that one a little closer than uh, it looked. In reality, it was 35-3 at halftime, and Rutgers scored... 18 points in the fourth quarter to to make it look better. But uh, Ohio State is clearly a lot better. They are going to win probably by three or four touchdowns. But let's see what Maryland does in that first half. Can they, you know, can they get some points off the Ohio State starters? Let's give them realistic goals because, um, Ohio State is just playing a different game at this point. Ohio State's playing for national title, conference championship. Maryland's playing for can we not embarrass ourselves because they've been embarrassing themselves quite a bit over the last few years. So um, I'm not going to read too much into Maryland's start. Uh, Last year was a little bit fool's gold. You might remember that as well. They had a hot start last year and then ended up being crap. So... You know, hats off to them winning the Penn State game. Hats off to that comeback against Minnesota. But uh, Ohio State's a different animal. And I just don't think Maryland is really anywhere close to hanging in this game. Coach, pretty much all of the metrics say that Ohio State is the biggest lock for the college football playoff this year. I think ESPN has them at like a 90% or so. Do you agree with that? Do you think Ohio State is the biggest lock to make the playoff? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're clearly the the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. I, I think that if you put them against Clemson, uh, I think they would shred that defense. If you put them up against 
uh, Notre Dame. I think they would shred that defense. Uh, I, I think. What would they do against the Oklahoma defense, Coach? Um, is there a, <laughs> is there a, a verb that is stronger than shred? Um, Decimate, that, thrash, thrash. Uh, I, I think uh, no. put in uh, a. Uh, well, well, what's like the highest setting on your food processor? Like it's pulverize, pulverize, pulverize um, is like getting a. It was like what Wisconsin does to teams. Puree. Uh, they were puree that defense. I, so I then know, the real question: What do they do to Kansas's defense? They would be out by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> the starters would be out by the end of the first quarter because um, it would be like I think they would put seventy in the first quarter. Um, but uh, you know, it, I, I, it I've done that in NCAA college football. I, I will say that I I I, yes. I I have put up seventy in a quarter, but. Yes. And in all seriousness, I mean, Justin Fields is look, I mean, he's, he's looking like he's, he's trying to make a claim that he's the best player in college football. And it might be working. Um, He has more touchdowns than incompletions. It's, it's really, really, really insane. Um, I I think it, you know, he's just playing at such a high level. um, And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, they, they, I mean, I don't want to go ahead after three games, claim them as the best team in the country. Um, but I mean, I think, I think they're right up there with Bama and Clemson, um, Notre Dame, those teams. So um, that would be, uh, it, I think they deserve a spot the way they're playing right now. Uh, that being said for, for Maryland, I think, you know, they look at Rutgers as a barometer here because both teams were, were grossly incompetent a year ago. I think it'd be safe to agree on that. Rutgers has come in. That, that somehow is a, a compliment to say that Rutgers was grossly incompetent a year ago. Yeah, that's how bad it was. Um, so for them to come in, like, they couldn't score 27 points on air last year. Um, and I don't care who's in. If you're wearing an Ohio State uniform, you're pretty good at football. Um, so they come in, they score 27 on Ohio State. Um, uh, can can I interject there, Coach, real quick? Regardless of how they got those points, Coach, I need to interject there really quick about Rutgers scoring against Ohio State. Yeah, uh, from uh our favorite Rutgers alumnus, Fred Perkins, Rutgers scored more scored more points against Ohio State last week than they did against their entire Big Ten schedule last year. Oh my God! Oh my God! See. Grossly incompetent is a is actually a compliment. That's actually a positive spin on their season. <laughs> so for Maryland, they're not going to beat Ohio State, but they've got to go out and compete and make it a game, make it interesting, give themselves a chance, and see where the chips fall. Now I, I know Matt, uh, compete is like a really bad buzzword. Um, at Vanderbilt, yeah, yeah it, 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 it's know, a it's a forbidden I, word uh, amongst I've, amongst I've, Vanderbilt fans right now. I've heard I've heard your shows on that, um, but I, yeah, you know, go I go think, listen, guys. If if you want to hear a person just get get have some serious rage against their alma mater, go listen to our interview with Joe Townsend on Believe in Vanderbilt Football. It was a doozy. It, it, it's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, but. Joe is a great talker, uh, coach. Someone you've worked with before. Uh-huh. Uh, he does not hold back no, at all. But uh, but Maryland just needs to come out. They need to. They need to. They need to get themselves in good situations. They need to play clean. A clean, good football game. Uh, they need to hit some big plays. Um, and and they just need to. You know, they just need to get better. Um, you know, they just need to continue to improve. They need to. Um, you know, obviously try to play to win, you know, but I think if they come out, I think we'll say, I think we'll try to truly see what this Maryland team is like. If they can make this an interesting ball game, then they've got my respect. But if, you know, if it turns into, you know, a normal, you know, 66 to three blowout, like, like we were all expecting, um, then we'll just say, okay, well, it's the same old Maryland team. They just had a little fluky. So they, they can kind of, they can kind of define their season here. Um, even with a loss, they can define their season. So I thought that was interesting. 
All right. Well, uh, let's stick in the Big Ten then for our final uh, our, our final preview. And obviously, no SEC games we're talking about this week because basically the entire SEC is canceled because of COVID. Um, and we're not going to talk Vanderbilt, Kentucky, because that's just sad. Uh, so instead, we're going to talk about a battle of unbeatens in the Big Ten West. If you were looking, if you had a Northwestern versus Purdue as a battle of Big Ten unbeatens uh, in mid-November, uh, kudos to you. Uh, I, I think most of us did not. But uh, Josh, you have seen both of these teams up close and personal as an Iowa fan. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, I had to go there. Um, this one's taking place in West Lafayette. I think I think that uh, Purdue's coach is out of COVID protocol. I, I think Brom is going to be back. But who knows? Uh, either way, Josh, uh, you've lost to both of them. So uh, who do you like in this matchup? I like Northwestern. Northwestern's a really good team. They obliterated Maryland. Talked about that earlier. Um, they had just a nightmare start against Iowa, including muffing a punt that Iowa recovered at Northwestern's four-yard line to set up a super easy score that even Brian Ferentz couldn't mess up. Um, they got down 17 nothing due to just horrible luck like that and came back to win 21-20 and then a uh, really dominant defensive performance against Nebraska to win 21-13. Uh, Northwestern's a legit packed team. Uh, Purdue is not. Purdue's a lucky team. Uh, Purdue took advantage of some just absolute ineptitude by Iowa. Uh, if Iowa plays even a C-minus game, they win. But Iowa played an absolute F game. Even with playing so awful, Iowa was actually driving for a game-winning field goal um, when they fumbled the ball and never got the ball back and lost the game that way. Uh, against Illinois, Illinois was hit by COVID. Um, was a little surprised this game managed to be played. Uh, Illinois was losing quite a few pieces, and yet the Illini, uh, they were down big. The Illini were down 21 points at one point. They came all the way back almost. Um, they lost 31-24, but on Illinois' last drive of the game, they had a turnover on downs that ended at the Purdue 8-yard line. So they were 8 yards away from a game-tying touchdown. Um, Purdue, like I said, they are a very lucky 2-0. Northwestern is a very impressive 2-0. I like the Wildcats to win, and I think they will give Wisconsin quite a game here in two weeks, Matt. Yeah, that's that might end up being the battle for the Big Ten West. Hey, whoa, you're counting out the Hawkeyes? Uh, no, I'm 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 just trying to couch my expectations. Fair enough, uh, Josh. Uh, thank you. Uh, Coach, do you have anything to add on this one? No, I mean, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think Northwestern is playing really well. Um, you know, that goes without saying, you know, Ramsey is, um, you know, three touchdowns, three interceptions. You look at the stats and they're a little bit deceiving. Um, and it doesn't really tell you the full picture of how they're playing, but, you know, they're, they're pretty – they're pretty consistent. Um, they're, they're gaining a lot of yards per game. Their, their average point per game is, is 28.3. Um, they're, they're allowing 12 points a game. So, you know, they're being stingy defensively. They're, they're scoring at a fairly good clip um, offensively. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, just one of those things where you got to look at it and say, hey, you know, we're, 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 we're doing the right things. We got guys in the right position. And we're not going to overwhelm you, but we're going to do all the little things, little things right. And so, for Northwestern, they just got to keep doing those things. For Purdue, they've got to get Horvath going. They've got to get uh, O'Connell's got to start um, or start, but he's got to pick up kind of where he left off. They're they're moving the ball at a higher clip. Uh, they're not they're scoring um, on you know I don't know twenty seven and a half uh, with four twenty one total yards. Um, it, I guess kind of matches up with their scoring output, but. Uh, defensively, they've they've got to they've got to sure some things up. 466 yards allowed per game, 
um, on average, 22 point uh, allowed per game on average. So um, they've got to short some things defensively um, if they want to have a chance at this. Um, but it is a home game for Purdue. Um, it, it is the Nap State, so you know Northwestern could struggle um, on the road. We'll see. Um, Purdue is kind of up and down, uh, but I think Purdue is going to play well. Uh, but I think Northwestern is going to pull out this victory. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be an interesting game um, on the Big tw- on the Big Ten Network. I about called it Big Twelve. I about um, about blasphemed uh, this game. So, um, but uh, I, I think it's a game that shouldn't be on the Big Ten Network, um, given uh, well, all the time slots that just opened. So, well, I'm glad you brought up Peyton Ramsey because you know. Northwestern overhauled their offense, totally new staff on that side of the ball, but bringing in grad transfer. The biggest thing that Peyton Ramsey does is give this team drives. He's fairly efficient on third down, and that's what killed Northwestern a year ago. Northwestern's offense was almost as bad as Rutgers last season, and it was because they had a million three and outs and you know that's just not only do you not produce points but when you have a three and out that quickly you're generally going to give the team good field position and you're going to tire out your defense really quickly so we kind of saw it against that indiana game yeah they only put up or uh, the nebraska game they only put up 21 points but their time of possession was enough to not have a drained defense in the second half. And it's just totally changed the ceiling on this Northwestern football team. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to uh, our, our final segment every week, spread formations. Uh, last week, guys, uh, we all did, you know, we all made some money. We all went three and two against the spread. That moves us for the season. Uh, Josh, you and I are now at 21 and 24. Coach is crawling back up to 18 and 27 after uh, a pretty rough start there on the season for you, old buddy. Um, but let's head out. Gary Anderson type of start to the season. Luckily, let's, I didn't fired, <laughs> We're going to head over to the American <laughs> Conference for our first game of the week. And we will head out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which uh, somehow uh, this one shocked me. Uh, guys, Tulsa is a two and a half point point favorite at home against an SMU squad who is uh, who just puts up points week after week and is uh, covering the spread left and right. Uh, Tulsa, though, two and a half point favorites at home. Uh, Coach, who do you like here? Who go with me first? Yes, so you guys can steal all my picks since I'm since I'm on a heater. Uh, Tulsa being two and a half point favorites at home. Um, give me the give me the Stangs. Give me uh, give me the Pony Express. I think they win outright um, on the road at Tulsa. So the two and a half point spread means absolutely nothing because I think SMU uh, will win this thing outright. Josh, yeah, that spread caught my attention so much. I actually looked up. I was like, did Shane Bouchelle like test positive for COVID? And I didn't hear. Yeah, about that's it what I something. was thinking. Um, yeah, you know, Tulsa's three and one. They're having a nice season so far, but. Um, two of their games have been postponed. Uh, they beat a Central Florida team that's not quite living up to expectations, beat a horrendous South Florida team, and then squeaked by an East Carolina team that leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, Tulsa's having an improved season. This is a program that's been down for a while. But SMU just is really good this year. I know I know they laid an egg against Cincinnati, but hey, guess what? That's a top 10 team that's going to happen. Other than that game, SMU 7-1, top 20 team. Shane Bouchelle is playing amazing, and they have the greatest uniforms in college football. So pony up. They win. So as Coach said, spread doesn't matter in this one because I've got SMU winning. All right. Well, our our next one uh, takes us back to the Big Ten where we were just. Wait, you didn't make your pick. Oh, yeah. Ponies all the way. (laughs) God, I mean, like like it has to even be said. Like, like. Even if the ponies were favored by two and a half, I'd take that. I would take the ponies favored by a touchdown here. Like, I don't see, you know, much of an avenue for Tulsa here. This one makes no sense to me. I put it on here because honestly, I thought it was kind of easy money. 
So um, I'm I, w- I would just be banging the I I I, I shouldn't say that. Um, I would be putting a, a, a fair bit of. <laughs> Uh, of You're gonna ch- say banging the drum like a. I was gonna. I was gonna throws? say banging the ponies, and I don't want to get uh, accused of um, bestiality. Yeah. So we're gonna. Matt, you're supposed to ride the horse, not ride the horse. <laughs> why, why don't you put some of that crypto in there? Uh, maybe I will. Um, <laughs> not head back to the Big Ten, where uh, in, in, instead of riding the ponies, uh, they can row the boat. Uh, Minnesota is a three and a half point underdog at home to the Iowa Hawkeyes coach. Who do you like in this one? Do I have to pick this one? Um, yes. This is, this is a weird, weird game. Um, but I think Minnesota is sitting there um, with poised and ready at any point for, uh, you know, uh, Rashad Bateman, Tanner Morgan, uh, and their, that crew uh, to, to really go off. Um, I think, they come back. Uh, they're rejuvenated after losing to Illinois. Uh, PJ Fleck read him a bedtime story. Everyone <laughs> they poops. beat Illinois. They killed Illinois. I know, but they're still rejuvenated. Um, <laughs> they read everyone. You you would think like he read everyone poops um, that they lost to Illinois. I don't know. It's been a weird season for Minnesota. I think they I, I, for some reason I'm, I got them at, at winless. But you know I, I think Minnesota's starting to catch their groove. Uh, in all seriousness. Um, and I think they're going to win this game. Spread doesn't matter. I got them winning outright. Coach and Mike drop. So wait, so so coach, coach, you like the Hawkeyes? Were you like your? No, he said he he's taking Minnesota. Oh, taking Minnesota. Taking, I'm sorry, I, goofs. He said Minnesota to win. Oh, I, I I I misheard that. I'm very sorry. Uh, Joshua Twinkle Toes Pudding Pop. How do you feel? <laughs> well, you know, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place because um, we know that I overanalyze everything about Iowa football. But, um, you know, with all their aggravations and all their issues with play calling so far this year, they are a couple of bounces away from being 3-0. and And we saw how good this team can be when things are clicking on all cylinders. They've got a pretty good defense. I don't know if it's going to pan out to be one of Ference's best defenses, but they have a pretty good defense. Um, they have possibly the best special teams in the country. They have a kicker that very well could win the Lou Groza, and they have uh, the best punt returner I have seen at Iowa since Tim Dwight, which is pretty high praise to say. Um, and we saw that what they're capable of when they obliterated Michigan State a week ago. Um, Minnesota, their defense was awful against Michigan and Maryland. Now they looked really good against Minnesota, or really good against Illinois. The problem is Lovey Smith is like putting nails into his coffin right now. The the Illini are awful. They're 0-3. Um, just to give you a look, uh, Coach, would you say that penalties kind of reflect how well coached the team is? Depends on what kind of penalty it is. Well, um, would 12 penalties for 120 yards indicate that there's a discipline issue for Illinois? Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> well, that's what Illinois did a week ago. So um, I'm not going to read too much into the Minnesota victory over Illinois. I think it's more realistic that Minnesota has a terrible defense. I think Iowa wins, and I think Iowa covers. And what's also interesting is for as Big a headaches as Iowa's had against Northwestern and Iowa State under Ference. Uh, they're actually really good against Minnesota, and they've won uh, all the matchups since 2015. They're riding a five-game winning streak in the series. All right. So, Josh, your final pick is? The Hawks. Hawks. As I've, I'm probably going to jinx it. They'll lose now. I'll be really pissed off next show, but um, 
I gotta make the, you know the pick is supposed to be smart. Next show, I will be getting a flurry of twi- of uh, text messages. <laughs> What's funny is the the Iowa Minnesota game is on Friday, so you can get those texts Friday night. Oh, I might actually get to watch it. Yeah, don't have a, uh, don't have a game. I think we'll all be watching it Friday night. Um, I mean, it's my birthday weekend, and there's no better way to kick it off by than than by watching <laughs> Iowa Minnesota. I don't know about how I don't know how you guys party, but uh, I do it by watching Iowa and Minnesota on a Friday night, um, and then I kick off Saturday morning by watching Illinois at Rutgers. Guys, Rutgers is favored in a Big Ten football game. Wow, we've been doing this podcast. And what's even more impressive, they're favored by 28 points, you guys. No. <laughs> oh. They're favored by, they're favored by six and a half. Um, That's more realistic. <laughs> got Rutgers. Let me repeat that. Rutgers is favored in a Big Ten conference football game by a touchdown. Hmm. What world do we live in, Coach and what side are you on? What world do we live in? What side? There's six and oh my god. This one, we live in a world where uh, it's back to 2006, I presume. Uh, with, <laughs> I guess, Ray Rice is back on campus with Greg Schiano and, uh, and uh, Judge Ito is the kicker. <laughs> Who is that uh, fullback Rutgers had? Like a big white guy. Like I think uh, he had a name with a lot of consonants in it, too. Yeah, I, Like shortly after Ray Rice. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, Kyle Juszczyk? I'll, I'll, I don't know. Like I'll Google it. I'll, I'll yeah, it. You, you, you can do that while Coach talks. Consult Dr. Google. Um, I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights. They, they're playing competent football right now. They're playing great on defense. They're aggressive. Uh, they they move the ball offensively. I think they have everything uh, they need in order to uh, finish off uh, the the last little bit of Lovey Smith job security um, at Illinois. Um, maybe he should read everyone poops um, to to his to his team. Maybe that'll work for for Lovey Smith. But hmm. um, I think Rutgers is is going to cover this spread. I think they win by a touchdown. All right. So uh, Google succeeded. Uh, all I had to do was search um, Rutgers white running back, and it gave me Brian Leonard. You guys remember Brian Leonard? Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah. 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 He was touted as a Heisman Trophy dark horse back in 06. Yeah, he got picked he ranked. up by the Bengals uh, yeah. and mm-hmm. was like a third-string running back. Yeah, the training camp, yeah. I think he ultimately got, got P-squatted. He is fourth uh-huh. in all-time rushing yards for Rutgers, fourth in all-time rushing touchdowns, sixth all-time receiving yards, first all-time receptions, tied for fourth all-time receiving yards, second all-time all-purpose yards, first all-time combined touchdowns, and first all-time career scored points. So he had himself a career. Um, I'm... I'm torn on this game. I think that Rutgers is markedly improved, but I can't help but think back to them beating Michigan State thanks to seven turnovers. It's a lot of turnovers. So I am going to protect the ball. I I am going to say that as bad as Illinois is, if those players haven't quit yet on Lovey Smith, and maybe they have, and Rutgers will win. And I'll get proved wrong. But if those kids have any shred of buying into what Levy's selling, this is their kitchen sink game. They are 0-3. This is a winnable game. I'm going to say Illinois covers because maybe Illinois somehow gets a win. Which I can't believe I just picked Illinois in a game. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Coach on this one. I am taking the Scarlet Knights. Uh, you know what Rutgers is going to do in this one, Josh? <laughs> now they're going to lay an egg. The two of you put the stink on. Oh, I was going to say they're going to they're yeah. chop that wood, baby. They're going to chop, chop that wood. wood. Chop that wood. 
Chopping right. wood. Speaking of chopping wood, do you know where there's a lot of wood to be chopped? Not Kansas. The Palouse? The Pacific Northwest. Actually, isn't the Palouse like farmland? <laughs> yes, actually it is. So that's why I said Pacific Northwest. Yeah, those trees have already been chopped. Yeah, they've down. been chopped down and uh there there's some there's some cattle grazing up there. Maybe some sheep. They've been chopped down they've been chopped down to create Oregon's basketball court, which is the ugliest in uh basketball. Uh well they'll now be chopped down at a faster rate because cocaine is legal in the state of Oregon. So <laughs> Um, Isn't it decriminalized? Yeah. Not well. <laughs> potato, potato. Um, <laughs> Oregon is somehow only a ten-point favorite on the road in the Palouse at Washington State. Guys, we didn't really talk about Washington State very much uh, so far this season. Obviously, only one week of Pac-12 football, but even in our Pac-12 season preview, we didn't really touch on them all too much. But you know, they started out. Uh, their season uh, by going 1-0 in taking care of Oregon State 38-28 in Corvallis. And so they get to head home uh, for the the home debut of Coach Rolo uh, at Washington State. Coach uh, Oregon, though, uh, Crystal Ball and Dem Boys, uh, they they started off with a resounding 21-point win over Stanford. Uh, do you think they're going to keep it rolling here, or do you like Washington State to uh, keep it closer and maybe even pull an upset? I don't see any reason for uh, Oregon not to keep it rolling. I think they're, you know, they're the favorites to win the conference, not only their division but the conference um, in general. Um, to me, there, um, you know, USC might have something to say about it, but that'll be a good Pac-12 championship if it if it happens. So. Um, I, I think it's um, I think it's going to be the ducks. They the ducks fly together, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be all uh, team Nike and the ducks. Yeah, I'm they taking Oregon there. as well. Oregon looked really sharp against Stanford, and for Washington State, they won their debut. Um, 38-28, but what's very confusing about the game is you look at the stats and you're sort of wondering how did Oregon State not win this game? They actually did way better efficiently on third down, 8 of 16, um, much better than Wazoo, who went 4 of 10. Oregon State had more first downs. The yards were essentially even, just five-yard different. Uh, Oregon State had fewer penalties. Uh, Oregon State won the turnover battle, and Oregon State had a uh, very, very slight edge, only like forty, or yeah, only like forty seconds in uh, time of possession. But Oregon State played really well, and just football is a strange sport where sometimes the stats just don't align to the final outcome, and that was that game. Um, Oregon wins, and Oregon covers, in my opinion. All right. Uh, yeah, Oregon wins and covers for me. I think that Washington State, while they did have some pro- promise last week, uh, they ran the ball a little bit, unlike they did when Mike Leach was there. Um, I still think that, you know, at, at the end of the day, it is, uh, you know, o- Oregon's just too much of a machine for Washington State. Finally, uh, Rutgers being favored being favored no kansas game this week uh vanderbilt only a 17 point underdog to kentucky had to find a big line for us so uh the worst line of the week goes to east carolina they are 27 and a half point dogs on the road at cincinnati give me the bearcats coach all right don't have to ask coach taking the bearcats josh how do you feel I am as well. East Carolina is a brutal one and five on the year. You know, if this had been a four touchdown spread against top 10 Cincy and like a middling ECU team, that's like three and three or something. Maybe you can talk yourself into the purple pirates, but they've looked every bit as bad as their record indicates. They're awful. Desmond Ritter is awesome. I'll take the Bearcats by 36. 
All right. Well, that is going to do it, I think, uh, unless, Josh, you have any final words for us. Well, yeah, I, I I know that a lot of the SEC games have been delayed and stuff, but I'm still showing Arkansas-Florida scheduled and Georgia-Mizzou scheduled. Um, I didn't know if Coach had any opinions on that. I, I do. Georgia game. I do, and, um, if it's and, played. And, and well, I was going to say, are we burying the lead on a potential upset? What do you guys think of Arkansas? That game may happen. They're the... <laughs> That game's not happening. You don't see it. Pittman, Pittman has the has the Roni, so it ain't happening. I know, I know. But uh, Purdue had to play without their head coach. I think so it's we'll more see. than just Pittman, though. I think there's, yeah. I think there's a, I think they're about to get Wisconsin. Um, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, coach. I don't think the Arkansas game gets played. I don't think the Georgia game's going to play personally. I think uh, Missouri's got some potential COVID issues too. But um, I just read, and it's still rumored. So it's not official, but looks like JT Daniels is going to be the new starter for the Georgia Bulldogs for the Missouri game. So keep that in mind. And uh, yeah. Oh, that's exciting stuff. Uh, There was actually a few other moments I wanted to talk about. Uh, Our beloved Tulane Green Wave team that we somehow always talk about. Uh, they're off the schneid. They've won two in a row. They're back to 500, four and four. But they get an Army team who's been off for a couple of weeks because of the uh, Air Force game got postponed. Army, six and one, already accepted a bowl bid. Uh, we should see a fun game in that one. And then, uh, you know, this might be a little rude, but uh, Michigan State... <laughs> who uh, has had some issues, gets top 10 Indiana, and uh, he has been playing hurt a little bit, but uh, Michigan State quarterback Rocky Lombardi is, um, I guess it's fair to say he's a bit of a gunslinger, and sometimes that can lead to a lot of interceptions. I'll, I'll point you to Brett Favre's interception record. But uh, through three games, Lombardi's already up to five interceptions, gentlemen. So uh, maybe a little INT watch for the Hoosiers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Turnover City. All right. Is Indiana a football school now? Uh, <laughs> they're a lacrosse school. <laughs> I don't know. Probably, probably more so than basketball. They're a soccer school, actually, quite frankly. They, they have an outstanding soccer program. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, this is interesting. Um, have you guys heard of this app called CivX? No. No. It, it's uh, with you guys being into uh, politics a little bit. Um, it is a, a mobile app that provides user-friendly approach to looking up legislation proposed by members of Congress. It gives you the ability to look up, filter every bill on Capitol Hill. It empowers you to crowdfund political contributions right from your smartphone. So, Josh, when you and I are uh, running uh, Cook Burton 24, uh, (laughs) this will allow us to uh, do some of that stuff right from your phone. So how does it work? You With the touch of the button, you can provide the ability to contribute to House members and senators or us. That vote in your favor of bills that you support. Hate Not for third-party perco. Rude. Rude. Uh, rude. You, you'll be the Speaker of the House. Um, <laughs> hate a particular bill, then you can easily donate to all the congressmen that vote against the bill. Hmm. So it's available in the App Store, Google Play, uh, Apple App Store. Uh, you can learn more about the startup. Visit uh, USCivX.com. That's U-S-C-I-V, capital X. Dot com. Uh, they recently launched a campaign on the Indiegogo to raise some funding that will enable them to continue developing the platform. Um, and uh, so there you go. Um, so Civics, man, they, they are, uh, that's a, it. It, it kind of jumped out at me a little bit. Um, and um, my, my guy, Nick Gentile over, he's co-founder and head of strategy over there. Um, going to promote, going to promote illegal motion. Um, across all of his network so figured i would uh give him some love as well so nick thank you for the thank you for the word thank you for the opportunity we'll go with that we'll go with that, we'll go with that. Uh,
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.